Well, good morning, church. Uh, before I really get into it uh, this morning, uh, we have a running joke with our staff that I'd like to share with you all. Uh, whenever we have a guest preacher here, it seems that they come up here and the first thing that they say is, I would really like to thank my mentor and friend, Dick Lugo. <laughs> I would really like to thank him for his guidance and the impact he's had on, on my life. And so I didn't want to throw that trend off, but I'd like to thank my friend and mentor, Dick Lugo, <laughs> this morning before we start. And uh, Dick, I got you a Christmas present, and I wanted to share it with everybody here. So, so I've, I've had this for a couple days, and I keep looking at it, and I just keep laughing at it. So I got you this shirt here, and it says on it, St. <laughs> Louis is boring. So I wanted to give this as a gift of thanks. So if anything goes wrong during the sermon, we know who to blame as well, too. That, that, could, that could be very accurate. Uh, well, happy Youth Pastor Sunday, everybody. Um, it's good to be here. Um, and this is a tradition across Covenant churches uh, to, to hand over the mic to the youth pastor the weekend after Christmas because the pastors, they're tired. And so I hope you guys can just put your feet up and relax and receive this word. And all across the country, congregates sit and they look at their youth pastors asking the simple question, why? <laughs> yeah. All over, different youth pastors are making references that half of their congregation won't understand, calling certain sections of scripture dope, and are completely underdressed. I'm proud to fit in that particular niche this morning. I'm particularly proud to be your youth pastor. As we approach the end of the year, I'd just like to say thank you for loving me and loving our kids. Um, that's something that I don't take for granted, so thank you. My hope for us this morning is that we can leave today feeling that as we enter the new year, that we can take inventory of where our hearts are at. So we can adopt an attitude and a lifestyle it reflects the love and hope that God has for us. Let's pray. Father God, you are a good God, and we are a grateful people this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit can work in this place, that you sit me down so that you can stand up, and that you can work on our hearts in a new way. Amen. So over the years, I've developed a very special talent, um, and this talent is being able to fall asleep practically anywhere. Uh, maybe I've developed this talent due to the fact that I have to put up with middle schoolers on retreats, or Seth Johnson in a tent during the wilderness trip. And let me tell you, that is no small task. Um, and note to all you guys, if you guys ever go on a youth retreat, if I ever ask you to come along with us, bring earplugs. They become your best friend. <laughs> but actually, I think one of the reasons why I have this talent is that I used to listen to music to fall asleep as a child. Music has always been a big part of my family, um, especially because of my dad, 
who introduced me to famous theologians and prophets such as Robert Plant, Stevie Nicks, Ozzy Osbourne, and Sid Barrett, to name a few. Yeah. Often waking us up on Christmas morning with houses of the holy and paranoid. Let me tell you, it was terrifying to begin with. But over the years, this kind of became a little tradition, and we were able to laugh. But when it was time to rest my head and go to bed, I found that I needed some sort of music to kind of calm me down. When I closed my eyes, I was often met with lyrics from 1969's Yellow Submarine, written by Paul McCartney and John Lennon, and a certain song going over again, over and over again, All You Need Is Love. All you need is love. Do, 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 do. All you need is love. There's nothing you can do that can't be done, nothing you can sing that can't be sung, nothing you can say, but you can learn how to play the game. It's easy. Nothing you can make that can't be made, no one that you can save that can't be saved, nothing you can do, but you can learn how to be you in time. It's easy. Love is all you need. Love is all you need. Love is all you need. It seems like today that love is the last thing that we give, even though we need it the most. As we sit here today, we're living in a world that is so focused on being right, focused on being selfish, focused on the constant need for more, focused on political opinion, having a good social media presence. And especially at this point of our year, we're living in a world that is constantly telling us that we aren't quite good enough. Last year on Youth Pastor Sunday, I encouraged you all to linger in the Christmas season, that we should have a posture that is open and willing to listen to the Holy Spirit and to remember that God is always with us, Emmanuel, God with us. That this time of year, particularly New Year's time, should not be focused on change. It should be about lingering in that particular promise of God being with us at all times. And that's still true. But this morning, I want to ask the question, as Christians, do we really represent the loving posture of Christ? Do we seek out the outsider? Do we look at everyone through the lens of love? Do we love people even when we shouldn't? Um, so I've been on a little bit of a uh, Mr. Rogers kick recently, and there's certainly been a lot of, of things going on about Mr. Rogers. And to be honest with you, I think if we had more Mr. Rogers on this earth, the world would be a much better place. Um, and if you want to start joining us on Sunday nights in the youth house, we're actually going to be doing a series on Mr. Rogers. So you're welcome to join us. And no, Mr. Rogers is not Jesus, and I'm pretty sure Jesus didn't wear a sweater and sneakers. But I have always been amazed at how Mr. Rogers represented Christ. Without talking about Christ directly, he was an ordained minister and worked in an industry that was particularly toxic and brutal at times. Television isn't the happiest place in the world. But
but he still represented Christ every day. Through his conversations with children, through the lessons that he taught, through his daily interactions. And he once said this, Love is at the root of everything. All learning, all relationships, love, or the lack of it. I'm going to read through our gospel text again, as Cassie did a marvelous job. I'm going to read through it one more time for us. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things so that you may, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because a servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. And I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. I hope that this particular gospel message can be a message of cleansing for you this morning, just as it was for the disciples. I think that when disciples heard Jesus say this, this was a centering moment, a moment filled with purpose and truth. And I think that it's an important reminder for us to examine what power God's love has and to ask the question, what is the difference between human love and spiritual love? In Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together, he says this about human love. Human love has little regard for the truth. Human love desires the other person, his company, his answering love, but it does not serve him. You see, spiritual love does not desire, it serves. And I pray that this morning, through our complete surrender to Christ, that we can show others the spiritual love through our service to our community, to our church, to our children, 
and particularly to the outsider. What does human love do for the outsider? Some. What does spiritual love do for the outsider? Everything. Jesus is the one truth, the Lamb of God, Emmanuel, and our heartbeat. Continually with us, beating slowly and surely as we go. As the gospel says, our whole existence and purpose on this earth should be focused on bearing fruit that will last, which is filled with spiritual love, godly love, Christ at the center. That love is filled with truth. There's something that happens inside of our bodies that we don't realize most of the time. The strongest muscle in our body pumps blood throughout our body, providing us with necessary oxygen and nutrients we need to be able to function. Of course, I'm talking about the human heart. Without our hearts, of course, we cannot survive. And I think that this particular gospel message, this gospel message of love and truth and spiritual love, should be at the core of our beliefs, the core of who we are. That God has given us the capacity to love in his name, that we are deserving of his love, and that Jesus is the center of it all. That without Jesus, our Emmanuel, our God with us, we can love, but it lacks truth. This process of loving can be painful. The pruning process, as Jesus calls it, can be confusing but it's necessary. Until we realize that Jesus is our heartbeat, that the pulse of everything that we do should be centered on Jesus, we will not be able to truly love. We need to realize how much we need our heartbeat, how much we need to truly live. I'll end with this story here. It's kind of a long one, so bear with me. And some people in this room might know this story. Every year, high schoolers head up to Covenant Point Bible Camp, my favorite place on earth besides here, of course, for our One Life Retreat, it's called. It's a weekend getaway to the Upper Peninsula where we worship and we pray and we have a whole lot of fun. The focus of each one life is to help us remember that we are living one unified life in Christ. We have one heartbeat. This retreat is to help students understand that life is better when we are together, unified in spiritual love, living one unified life, checking our heartbeats, our pulses, and trying to understand how Jesus is at the center of it all. There's a benediction that we give at the end of each chapel service that I'd like to share with you, and I think it's a good encouragement. May God be your hope and support. May God be your guiding light, your path to one unified life. And may the blessing of God, creator, Emmanuel, and giver of life remain with you here 
now and with you forever. Amen. Those words are spoken every chapel service, kind of centering us, a reminder of sorts. And there was a moment that I will never forget during one of our chapel times. Um, we were doing uh, a spiritual practice, and what it involved was um, everyone in this, the tabernacle, as we call it, kind of coming together, and um, leaders at the front, they were holding these bowls. And in the bowls were these pieces of string. And students were instructed to come to the front and grab as much string as they wanted and to find someone and to, to tie the string around their wrist and to affirm them while they were doing it. And something that was particularly powerful was as I was standing at the front, I was handing out these pieces of string to our students and people that I cared about. I could kind of start to feel the energy in the room. Students would come and grab handfuls of string and walk, and you'd watch them walk up to somebody and gently tie the ribbon around their wrist and say something like, Jesus loves you, and I love you. And as I watch this happen and I watch our students affirm one another in Christ, a question popped into my head that still kind of sticks with me. When was the last time these kids heard that they were loved? And so I'm standing there watching this happen and kids taking more and more string and, and our group particularly just sobbing their eyes out because that's what they do. They really like to cry. <laughs> and um, it's a powerful moment. And then someone came up to me and stopped me dead in my tracks. One of our students came up to me um, and he started to tie a piece of string around my hand. And he said to me, I don't think you realize how much we need you. And it stopped me. And I turned and I looked at him and I said, no, I don't think we realize how much we need Jesus. And it was a moment that I'll never forget. So in today's day and age, when we're all in need of something, remember your heartbeat, your Savior, and the fact that spiritual love has the power to have an influence on the people you meet. And I want you to realize how important you can be to the people that you would never even dream of and the impact you can have. God gave you a heart so that others could listen to it beat. So check your pulse and realize how much we need Jesus.